0: You're listening to Midlife State of Mind podcast hosted by Aaron Beadle and Belinda Fleming, two gals who dish on all the challenges and opportunities that come with this middle section of your life. Each episode, you'll find yourself going between laughter and tears as they cover all the topics you need to know about midlife.
1: Welcome back to Midlife State of Mind. I'm your host, Aaron Beadle and Belinda Fleming. Thank you guys for joining us for another episode of Midlife State of Mind. And thank you so much for hitting the subscribe button on whatever platform you're listening to us so that you get the weekly updates and reminders to tune in. And also, especially for leaving reviews, it really is impactful for us to reach other listeners. And your reviews and your subscribing and rating us helps us reach more people. Well, speaking of reviews,
0: we have a recent review that I wanted to share. It's titled, Like Hanging Out With
1: Friends.
0: (laughs) She says, I am in my car for hours every day, and today I listened to multiple episodes of this podcast. I was engaged with every episode, and I felt like I was driving around with friends in the car. I burst out laughing at one point and was also inspired to reach out to a longtime friend and share the friends episode with her. Thanks for the inspiration and fun. I mean, I can't tell you
1: how happy that makes us to hear that you think of us as friends. And we burst out laughing all the time. And so to, to know that our listeners are bursting out laughing with us, I mean, that is what it's all about. Exactly. Well, that is, I think, one of the things that Blenn and I sometimes when
0: I'm editing, should I cut out the laughter? And it's like, no, that's what we want to educate, you know, you guys on a topic. We want to inspire y'all in some way. And then we want to make you
1: laugh. And if we do all three of those things, I feel like our job is done. right Right. absolutely and what's interesting is we both have very hearty laughs and we are not apologizing for that we think that's actually a good thing Exactly. exactly Let's get into today's episode. We're talking
0: about expectations, the psychology of expectations, and I have to tell you guys a little bit about what kind of prompted this episode, and one was from a conversation with a friend who was basically disappointed in a friend of hers because her expectations weren't met, and then I read a quote that said, expectations are premeditated resentments. This is actually a quote that they use in the 12-step program. I think it might even be their slogan. And so it got me thinking about, hmm, expectation, like premeditated resentments. That seems like a really strong statement to me. But then... When I really started thinking about it, I'm like, it's actually pretty true. Right. One of the things that I started looking at is like this idea of expectations, how they arise and kind of the psychology behind them. And and I'm an early education major in college. That was my degree. And if anyone knows who the developmental psychologist Piaget mm-hmm. Or you can call him Pia Gett, <laughs> if you're Southern. <laughs> but he said that children, one of the stages for children is distinguishing between their subjective world in their head and the outer objective world. And he calls it magical thinking. And it's this idea that they think that their thoughts affect outcomes. For instance, if little Timmy gets a bad grade and then his mom gets sick, he links the two together, mm-hmm. right? So he says, well, if I make a bad grade, the expectation then is that something bad is going to happen to my my mom. It's something that most children grow at age seven, I think is about the age. But one of the things that he said is that even normal adults engage in this practice of magical thinking. Right. And- one of the examples they give is like the law of attraction that if I put this out into the world I'm gonna attract this certain thing you link the two
1: but there are some truths to that positivity belief system
0: that I absolutely think gets mindset and then prayer is considered kind of that same magical thinking if you will but again
1: not saying that they're wrong because prayer comes from the belief that you have faith that God is providing for you it's much deeper but I see what you're saying, that you're comparing it to similarly to if you're praying for something. Well, because, you know, when you, have pray you pray ever for something, noticed
0: <laughs> that like, when people pray for somebody and they they equate that if they pray hard enough, they're going to get whatever it is that they want. So let's just say it's to heal a sick child or their grandmother. Well, does it mean that that person doesn't have enough faith if they don't, if they aren't healed? I know right. it's a lot to unpack. And, and, and that's, that's not, complex,
1: right? It is very
0: complex. Because I
1: pray. I mean, I pray as well, and I pray that God's will be done. And that is a bigger, broader way of letting God be in control and not me trying to control through my specific prayer. I think that there's a time and a place for all of it, for the need to get down on your knees and beg for something that in that moment you're begging for grace or mercy or whatever in a, in a really difficult, challenging time. But then there's also times where you are praying that God's will be done, not my own will. Right. So you're I think right. that's
0: actually what you should be praying. Yeah. Is not praying for I want this person to be healed but you say let your will be whatever it is and help me to have the grace to accept it.
1: Absolutely. Yeah. And and it is complex. Like our relationship that we have with God is personal and today our podcast is just trying to reach a lot of people to consider all of the different possibilities about how we are managing our expectations and What tools we're using. Prayer is a beautiful, wonderful tool to help us navigate all of the day-to-day expectations. We wake up in the morning and we have an expectation that we're going to wake up, right? (laughs) And that's the thing is past experiences give us good reason to have expectations, right? So I think but what we're saying here is that sometimes our expectations are realistic and sometimes they're not. That's what sometimes I want to talk our about. Realistic and unrealistic. Sometimes our prayers are realistic and sometimes they're not. And we're all, it's okay, right? We're human. We, right. we have these moments where we're really dialed in and grounded to what is going on. Sometimes we're overwhelmed and we do get, find ourselves in a space of being a little bit unrealistic about what it is we're expecting or what it is we might be praying or wanting. And haven't you all always heard the saying, be careful what you wish for, right? Because sometimes what you wish for, there are consequences of that too that maybe you have not thought through. It's so complex. It really (laughs) is. It's mind boggling. It is. Well, because how you said, it's not a problem
0: to have. I mean, as humans, we have a natural tendency to to pin our hopes for happiness on fulfilled expectations. Mm -hmm. That's normal. It's like the baby cries because he gets fed. He knows when he cries, he gets fed, right? That's a fulfilled expectation. And I have to tell you all a little side note. So my cat, I recently started giving her wet food Mm -hmm. in the mornings um, because she's getting really skinny. She's old. She's like 17. So now she's expecting it in the mornings. Well, but when I want to sleep in a little bit, she tries to wake me up. And so she meows this really loud, obnoxious meow. And I'm like, sister, I'm Pavlov, you're Pavlov's dog, you're not going to condition me because she has that expectation that in the morning when she sees that it's light out and she knows that when it gets light, mom puts this wet, delicious food in my bowl and she's come to expect it now in a very short period of time. Oh, wow. So even even animals have expectations. Isn't that interesting it to is. think? It is,
1: it is. It is.
0: I've often thought that maybe if we managed our personal relationships like we do our workplace, I haven't worked in the professional workspace in a very long time, but Belinda, I know you have, but when you have a professional workplace, I mean, I've worked at yoga studios and they, they have expectations even for their yoga teachers, right? But you, in your job, you have expectations for your position and then you have expectations for the people that you manage, right?
1: Yes, and we sit down and we specifically have a conversation, we have assigned a agreement what the expectations are, what the objectives are, and we do that on an annual basis. And what's interesting is we probably should do that more often I'm in personal. our personal relationships. I mean, maybe not a written contract. It doesn't have contract. to be a contract, yeah. <laughs> but that's what I think
0: I'm getting at is that in our workplace or in a professional relationship, it's very clear what the expectations are, right? Right. You would never make one of the people that you manage guess what you expected and then get resentful because they didn't meet that expectation. Like, Mary didn't do what she was supposed to and she was supposed to read my mind that I wanted her to do this. No, you'd say, Mary, here's what I expect from you and here's what I need you to do. And then you're both, you know, you've clearly communicated the expectation. She knows what it is. And so then she meets it. If she meets it, then you're happy. And if she doesn't meet it, then you guys have a conversation.
1: Right. We're not unconsciously trying to get our objectives and expectations met. We are consciously, clearly communicating, and we are all on the same page. But in personal relationships, oftentimes we have
0: that magical thinking where we think, well, if I expect them to behave this way, and I'm just going to use telekinesis, and they're going to behave that way because I'm magically thinking that it's going to happen.
1: Well... What happens is as we mature, we become more self-aware, hopefully. And so the self-awareness... not everybody does. Yeah, but hopefully that's what we're aspiring to. And we've talked about when we were in our 20s, we weren't very self-aware. We were just living our life and going about our business. But now we've evolved and become more mature as women. And we have much more life experience. And we are able to sit in reflection and reflecting on why you did what you did, how what the outcome was, what my part was in it. These are powerful tools that guide us so that we can express expectations. Maybe we can lighten up a little bit and not have so many expectations. There's a balance between expressing expectations and there's a balance between not getting so attached to even setting too many expectations. Right, so you realistic agree? and unrealistic yeah. for sure. So by being self-aware, we are actually intentional and thoughtful about that story we're telling ourselves. So sometimes the story is inaccurate and it is in that realm of magical thinking mm-hmm. and that is not really where we want to be as adults right
0: well one thing that i think that gets us into trouble and going back to the conversation that i had with my friend is this idea of an implicit social contract that is basically when people in social situations have an expectation that without actually verbalizing the expectations about the give and take in a relationship And so they construct a story in their head about legitimate expectations that they have for others. So in regards to this story, then my friend was there for her friend through all of this turmoil that her friend was having in her life. And, you know, she was there. She was a confidant. She gave her ear. Well, then when the tables were turned, she thought, well, because I was there for Susie, Susie's going to be there for me. And Susie wasn't. And that was a big
1: assumption on that. Yes. Yes.
0: And so then she had resentment and hurt and disappointment, all of the things that come along with when your expectations aren't met. And so most of the time, unspoken expectations are almost guaranteed to go unfulfilled, right?
1: Well, I wanted to share that there is a train of thought too, that if you minimize and lower expectations, then you're going to minimize the risk of being disappointed. And I don't know that that is how I want to live my life either.
0: No, because I don't want to lower my expectations.
1: Right. So we have to find the middle. Ground, and that is in a, of itself why this is such a complicated subject.
0: I think the key, instead of lowering your expectations, is up your communication. Right, clear so-
1: communication. Not expect people to be reading your mind. And really do it in a way that isn't coming across as defensive or adversarial. Does that make sense? Well,
0: it doesn't have to be like, this is what I expect from you. And if you don't fulfill this expectation, that's demands. Right. That's demands.
1: And what happens, people shut down when you start making demands. And
0: you and I, just even in the podcast, we have expectations for each other that we've had open communication. And we have a lot of times where we have conversations where you, will be like, well, I'm not sure about that. And I'm like, okay. And so we
1: have a conversation around it and communicate. Yes. And sometimes those conversations become really in depth and we both have to compromise on Yeah. And And we do it in a really constructive way that is actually helpful for me as I navigate my other relationships. So I value what we're doing here, what we're doing right now, what we do prior to even going live with a, with the podcast, the prep work that we do, the research that we do, and the compromising that we make. Because I came along after you had already started this process and you had certain expectations. And I remember very distinctly a conversation that we had once I thought, about it, and I accepted. I would love to be your co partner for the podcast moving forward. But I also wanted to be really clear that I did. You had expectations, yes, and I didn't want this to in any way encumber anything in a negative way towards our friendship. Right. To me, our friendship was more important Is first than the than the podcast. And so, if the podcast was complementary to our friendship, and which it has been, absolutely, it's actually enhanced our friendship yeah. exponentially in a very short period of time which is mind-blowing right Absolutely. because I already thought we had a strong well
0: because we were bonded from yoga teacher training yes. from the start I mean we were blood by then
1: well so what's interesting this is something I wanted to share from Brene Brown a book that I really have enjoyed Atlas of the Heart she talks about that there is research that shows that one way to minimize disappointment is to lower our expectations and uh, that doesn't sit well with me I don't like it so much because what we just said we don't really want to go through life lowering expectations I think of like for my children for a partner relationship those kinds of things that to me that doesn't sound like a good no, solution. saluting yeah. the relationship so it, it goes on to say true optimism can sometimes lead to increased disappointment and I believe these findings are accurate but there is a middle path. A way to maintain expectations and still stay optimistic that requires vulnerability, it requires courage, and it requires us to examine and express our expectations in a vulnerable way. It goes on to say there are too many people in the world today who decide to live disappointed rather than risk feeling disappointment. So, do you see that that's different? Because I'm taking a risk when I put myself out there and tell you what I think and, and what, what, you need. I, what I need. I would rather experience that discomfort than the discomfort of being just in a disappointed state right. all or, the time or, or, or res- feeling
0: resentful. Yes, which resentment is like I think one of the worst emotions. Personally, I think it's worse to me than sadness because resentment is it's a bitterness that eats you up more than it affects anyone else you know sadness you can get over i think resentment oftentimes you have a hard time getting over
1: Resentment could probably be a whole nother episode yeah, I know, for in and sure. of itself because being resentful and bitter, we really have to take a deeper dive into what is happening within us. Mm-hmm. It's it's really about something within us if we're feeling that way towards someone else.
0: Well, I wanted to also talk about because as a parent and you're a parent of five children, I'm a parent of three, the expectations that when you said that about not lowering you don't want your children to lower their expectations, but expectations we have as parents for our children. Like you expect them to do certain things like keep your room picked up or do the dishes or you have expectations in your family. And those are actually based on authority rather than on a mutual reciprocity. Whereas with a peer-to-peer relationship or let's say even a romantic relationship, for my relationship with Jeff, I don't expect him to read my mind and know what I need or how I'm feeling. I've always been very good about expressing, not because it's like I'm not tooting my own horn, but I knew the man's not a mind reader. He's not gonna know if something bothers me or when something has hurt my feelings. And it's hard for me to express when I've had my feelings hurt us going through our yoga teacher training, Brene Brown was the one that introduced me to this idea of how vulnerability is a superpower and it's not a weakness because I always viewed vulnerability as a weakness. But very early in our marriage, realized that for us to have a healthy relationship, I'm going to have to tell him what I'm feeling.
1: And I would assume he's very good at clearly communicating with you as well. Oh, for, he is, it's for sure. Because, so. I mean, let's be honest, being married for 30 plus 100 years however many years y'all been married (laughs) speaks very highly of the fact that you guys are doing some things right we try
0: but so for our children you can have the resentment because it's an authoritative relationship where you're saying I need you to do the dishes and then when they don't do the dishes you can be upset
1: well let's fast forward to both of us are now in the place in our lives that we are not under the authoritarian type of relationship with our children anymore we are now adult children parent relationship and navigating that is is a whole different ballgame very different and if you're still operating under authoritarian or transactional because you're giving them money for this or that that's not the kind of relationship I want with my adult children
0: And I've had to personally just decisions that my children have made, especially my two older boys that I don't agree with, but it's not my circus, not my monkeys. I have to let go of my expectations of how I thought that their life would be or what the decision that they would make and let them have their own, choose their own path. And they've all done well, but it's not always the path that I would have expected for them. Right. And so letting go of that expectation in that sense, absolutely. It's not lowering my expectation. It's just more not having the expectation of my expectation.
1: Well, it's also about creating more space in between what we think and want for our children and giving our children enough space to allow them to make the mistakes to figure out what it is they want for their own life like it's such a big transition from being under under the same roof under our rules and then all of a sudden now they're out living their own life and that transition period is difficult sometimes for the child who's becoming an adult doesn't want all of the responsibilities but they want some of the responsibilities Of being an adult But not all of them And so it is It's a dance that we do And it isn't easy And it's so interesting Because we think that When you're a new mom You think the hardest part Is when they're little And what happens is Every stage is, is the hardest part Right. Exactly. (laughs) Whatever you're experiencing and dealing with, there's nothing about raising a family that's easy. There really isn't. There's joyful moments and there are these heartfelt experiences and milestones that happen, but every stage has its own, I don't know. Definitely has its highs and its lows. Well, one of the ways that we can let go of expectations
0: is by expressing gratitude because that will allow us to experience serenity rather than resentment. And I would much rather have serenity than resentment. So if I let go of expectations with like I said with my grown children and just am grateful that they're making their own decisions and that they have the ability to make their own decisions then I can experience
1: serenity Mm So I had mentioned briefly about there are too many people in the world who decide to live disappointed rather than risk feeling disappointment. And I wanted to share this one excerpt from the Atlas of the Heart because it's a mindset of, we talked about earlier about lowering expectations that that didn't really agree or sit with either one of us. It just didn't resonate as a solution. And there was this particular experience or interaction with a 60-year-old man that Brene Brown, had during her studies and it says that sometimes when I'm in one of those moods where I just want to pull the covers over my head and stay in bed that was something that happened especially during quarantine she was stating and she would promise herself to not get too excited about things so that when she was disappointed if her expectations weren't met it would lessen the feeling of the disappointment and so then she remembered interviewing a man when she was doing some early research uh many years ago but he at the time was in his 60s and she'll never forget what he said to her he said i used to think the best way to go through life was to expect the worst that way if it happened you were prepared And if it didn't happen, you were pleasantly surprised. Then I was in a car accident and my wife was killed. Needless to say, expecting the worst didn't prepare me at all. And worse, I still grieve for all of those wonderful moments that we shared and that I didn't fully enjoy. I just wish she was here now so that I could know to live at that highest level of enjoyment and be fully present. Isn't that beautiful? It is. And it's it's actually
0: very common, I think, for people where we we get scared if things are too good to enjoy it because we're worried somebody's going to pull the rug out from under us. I've lived that way for, I periodically live that way. I mean, I've gotten so much better in the last 10 years of not living that way, but waiting for the other shoe to drop. Like, well, I don't want to get used to this good feeling or everybody's healthy. All my kids are healthy. I don't want to tempt fate to come and have one of them get struck with an illness. Mm -hmm. you can't live that way because if you lessen the joy that you could be experiencing fully and nothing will ever prepare you, like he said, for something like that. Right. So why, why even try to prepare yourself for the worst?
1: So really our goal is to lean in, Mm -hmm. lean into the moments when things are really, really good and breathe it in and take it all in and lean into the moments that are disappointing and that are difficult because in the end, the meaningful connection that we have is the ebb and flow. It is the ebb and flow of life. I know you had a couple questions that you wanted to leave our listeners with basically we're co-creating and creating conscious relationships when we sit with what are our expectations and what are our beliefs around creating expectations so I might ask you today to think about and even write down what are some expectations that you have of yourself and if there are some expectations that are unrealistic sit with that and maybe re-examine and the other thing to contemplate is expectations that you have for the relationships that are meaningful to you are there any expectations that you have that are unrealistic that you could reevaluate are there also expectations that are realistic, but you haven't expressed them yet. And so it might be a good exercise today after the podcast to just sit in those thoughts, maybe even write those thoughts down and take away something of value today about reflecting on our belief system about expectations for ourselves and expectations with those that are closest to us.
0: So maybe a better way of that slogan, the 12-step program, is that unrealistic expectations are premeditated resentments. So maybe unrealistic is the key word.
1: And so really sitting with and being with our awareness of why we've created these expectations and are we expressing them in a healthy way so that our needs can get met.
0: You guys, head over to our website at midlifestateofmindpodcast.com. You can learn more about Belinda and I and about our upcoming retreat in Italy. Thank
1: you for joining in. See you next week. Bye. This has been an E-squared production.